It takes a village to raise a child. We all know that, right? But what happens if you can't find your village? Because raising your child is really, really tough. What if you are so filled with shame and doubt and guilt and fear of judgment that you don't share your triumphs and your struggles? You don't talk about it because you don't think anyone can possibly relate. Well, I've been there, and it was really hard for me to find my tribe. So I decided to make mine. I went out and found these amazing mothers who are also in the trenches, struggling to raise their kids. Together, we are a community. And in this podcast on the hard days, you'll find motivating stories from other real moms who get it. We're going to accept who we are and how we show up for our children each and every day, even on the hard days. Hey guys, have you signed up for my weekly newsletter, Mothers Together? I'm hopeful that you have because this newsletter is so fun. First, I have a Mom of the Week feature, which if you didn't already catch it, these Moms of the Week are just regular moms like you and I who are listening to this podcast, who are followers of this community, and they want to find their people. If you send me a picture and a little bio about yourself, I'll feature you in our Mothers of the Week column, and moms can contact you and make instant friends based on the fact that we are all raising these out-of-the-box kids. And another feature in my newsletter is a recap of the week's podcast episode, as well as resources, because we all need those, and it's so helpful to just have more information. You really can never have too much when you're trying to raise the kids like we have. And so every week I will put in a resource or two, whether a book or a podcast or a blog or whatever, for you to check out. So if you haven't signed up for this newsletter yet, head to my website, ontheharddays.com, and enter your email address. You'll be getting this newsletter every Friday. And as always, thank you so much for your endless support. And now, on to the episode. Welcome back, everyone. I am so glad to have with me today an awesome mom, Kendra Rogers. She is a homeschooling mom. She is a wife. She is an author. She is an educator. She um, is starting a master's degree in psychology. And when she and I had our discovery call, we talked about all the things. But what really drew me to her and and the information that she was sharing was the strengths based approach to meeting her children's needs. And that really struck me. Um, and we're going to, we're going to take a, a, a deeper look into that topic, but first, Kendra, thank you so much for being here and, and take a minute to introduce yourself and kind of start from the beginning and tell us your story. All right. Hi. And, and thank you for having me on. Um, this is a great opportunity for me to fulfill part of what I have Um, learned is my passion um, since having special needs kids, and that is to educate others and to support other parents. Um, It's something that I didn't have in so much as parents who understood what I was experiencing with my children, and I had people who were there and loving me and loving my children, um, but not somebody that intimately understood the specifics of our struggles. So one thing that I did was to kind of dive into as much research as I could. Um, I read every book that was recommended to me and 
the only one that really resonated was neurotribes, um, but it's very clinically written and it's, it's pretty heavy. Uh, so one of the ways that I have uh, also endeavored to support other parents was to write my own book about what we experience in our home and what it looks like in application about how we address our children, how we work with them to encourage growth and learning and understanding and all of those kinds of things. So, um, and I also write a blog that Ooh. I continually add to um, just, you know, things that happen throughout the week and it'll pop into my head. Oh goodness, this would have been something I would have really appreciated being able to read about the first time my kids did this to me or with me or <laughs> whatever. Um, so all of those things. And then I'm, uh, as you mentioned, taking a psychology master so that I can learn more about how our brains function and why we do certain things and, and how I can better address my own children and other parents who are traversing this special journey yeah uh, because we got kids that just don't kind of fit in that neat little box hey uh, <laughs> <laughs> yep so and there's so much exciting stuff that happens you know a lot of the time when we say special needs kids we think of bad things negative connotation and I I want to celebrate the the special people that I've been gifted and yeah they're hard they're harder than I ever imagined that I could potentially parent, but by figuring out how they tick and what they think and how, and all of that, we've been able to make it work. Yeah. So would you mind giving an example or two of that? You know, how have you been able to make it work in, in getting to the root of how to support your kids and using that sort of strengths-based approach? What have you done? Send us your tips. <laughs> uh, one thing that for strengths-based learning, um, my autistic son, Will, who's now 11, uh, when he was four or five, he hated math refused to do it uh, but he loves did then still does dinosaurs and all things paleontology and earth origins and all of those kinds of things and so I started using dates from paleontology to have him manipulate the numbers involved in the dates in order to strengthen his math skills. Uh, and in addition to that, and we ditched paper and we put it all up on a whiteboard. And the, the tactile input that that gave him of writing on a different kind of surface with a different kind of utensil coupled with, we were talking about his very favorite thing in the world. Mm -hmm. He succeeded. He got over that hump of not really understanding or enjoying math and now he's soaring yeah. at it so just those little things that if we can tweak just something so small wow that's amazing and i i mean you have multiple children right i have four yes yeah and i had written down in our conversation 
how amazing they are. You just started listing these really cool things that they can do. And one is creative and twice exceptional. And um, one uh, plays trumpet at a young age and one's into engineering. And, and here's, first of all, those are all amazing things. And as a public school teacher, I see what we're missing in a school setting, not being able to get at those things. We don't know. I do not know those special gifts that my students have because there's no chance for them to show them. And that's, that's a separate mm-hmm. conversation, yeah. but I totally agree with that. So how did you discover and, and then strengthen those cool things that your kids do? You know, how did you go from, oh, we're going to learn to read and we're going to, um, you know, get some basic math. And, and all of a sudden we're talking about playing musical instruments and engineering, you know, how do you get there? Um, I, I let them explore. We filled our home with, with their early childhood with a variety of toys. Um, we encouraged them to pick out their own things. Um, when they were each about three, four, uh, we started gifting them or having my parents gift them community ed classes like you know the little like sports starter class that you get to play hockey and basketball and baseball and soccer all in a couple of weeks um little things like that to see okay what do you love where are we thriving what do you want to do how do you want to experience life and and just watching them and I mentioned Will who he just dinosaurs everything dinosaurs dragons mythical creatures now um he's heavily into mythology he's studied all the different forms for fun um and and he gravitated toward that discovery of dinosaurs um mac my nine-year-old when he was about three I was helping another child put on her helmet to ride bikes and saw him at the end of the driveway looking intently at his own bike. And my first thought was, please don't take it apart. I don't have the energy to put it back (laughs) together today. And because he was the destroyer. And up until that point, we just, everything he touched, he destroyed. And I called him to me. And he excitedly said, mommy, mommy, I figured out how it works. And he explained to me the mechanics of his bicycle at three. And I went, oh my gosh, you're not a destroyer. (laughs) It's a gift. figuring it out. (laughs) You want to know how it works and why it works. And he's my engineer. And from that point forward, we got him toys like snap circuits. And so many Legos and the, the um, superheroes that you can take them apart and match them back together with different superheroes. What? I think I need to know about that. Yeah. Oh, goodness. Oh, I can't remember what they're called. Um, we stumbled upon them accidentally and I think they still exist. But Ooh. yeah, you just you could be a Spider-Man and a, one of Batman the villains. Or whatever, yeah. And yeah, and you could take the head off and switch their heads and switch their arms. And because now he, he then had toys that 
the purpose was to take them apart and rearrange them. And how do I put it back together? Well, this guy's got four legs now, Mm -hmm. you know? So, and my oldest, um, Rory is 13 and she's my artist. And again, we just watched her and she was constantly doodling constantly. So we started getting her more art supplies. We got art classes for her. Now she remote teaches her cousins in California here and there art classes. And the littlest one, Kay, she, she's my little trumpet player. All of them play instruments, but she blew us out of the water when she chose trumpet. She started playing when she was four. Mm -hmm. She's now five. I didn't think that she was going to be able to make a noise with it. Mm-hmm. I really didn't. And she now can play several recognizable songs. Wow. Wow. So wow. we've just let them, you know, be their own people and watch them and, and figured out, oh, you really like this. Yes. Let's feed it. Yes. Now your children, I mean, from what I know, um, your children are gifted, are twice exceptional. My son is as well. Talk to me about, and this is like the million dollar question. Talk to me about how using a strengths-based approach with them has helped them with behavior struggles and mindset struggles and confidence issues because I feel like there's a link there. I mean, you're describing mm-hmm. amazing things and it sounds like your home is just this peaceful sunshine and rainbows atmosphere all the time. And I'm <laughs> sure that's not the case because no one's house is like that. So how do you use these awesome pieces of who they are to your advantage in helping to raise them, um, you know, accepting themselves and, and feeling confident and with behavior issues and that sort of thing? Uh, our biggest behavior difficulties have really been with the boys. Um, and I don't think that has anything to do with their gender at birth. I think it just is how their brains are wired. Um, will with autism and perfectionism and, uh, anxiety. And for him, we've taken things that help him to have control and focus like percussion is the instrument that he chose to play and it surprised me because he's a very much calm kid but it's the it's it's an order and all music is but I feel like percussion is a little bit more so um and martial arts. We initially started martial arts for the anxiety piece of the puzzle because it was helpful to my husband when he was a child. And so those, those kind of calm, focused, very directed movements for both percussion and martial arts. And we have incorporated both of those practices into his kind of um, calm down methods. When he's having the fight or flight response, we do a lot of focused breathing which is necessary with martial arts. And we learned that when he was doing it and we encourage him to play out his frustration on his percussion instruments. And he's 
in doing so come up with some great original compositions, uh, which is kind of a cool side effect. Yeah. And then the martial arts aspect, he can breathe and do these very controlled prescribed movements with his body that refocus his brain and reactivate that logical side. Mm. Um, with Mac, his strengths are in his ability to move constantly <laughs> and figure out the world and piece it together and things like that. So when he is struggling to maintain control, I tend to remind him, you know, okay, let's take a break from this task that you're struggling with and go do small movements with building Legos or snap circuits. And if that doesn't quite click him back, then I'll, if it's nasty outside, we'll set up an obstacle course inside. Uh, if it's decent outside and he can go out and run and jump and climb, then we do that. And that has helped him to be able to regain control. Um, he learned to read a little bit later than the others. He was about seven and a half. And I thought, you know, the, I'm not real worried yet because he's still kind of on the medium range of reading ability. So I, I was waiting to see how he'd pick it up, but he ended up learning to read hanging upside down off the couch because he needed mm -hmm. that other input, sensory input in order to focus his brain to conquer that. You know, math facts you can learn while you're jumping on a trampoline. Yeah, you're right. challenging <laughs> to read that way. Shaking. Yes, but oh. upside down, hey. Upside down, it worked. And and he he got it. And now you know, he's been reading well for two years. And he just, he took off. Wow. I'm struck by, and, and you deserve every compliment here, for having, they're all still young. I mean, they're, yeah. no one's an adult here. You have really found their gifts. And I have always thought in my own head that if we just, and actually we're still kind of struggling with that, trying things out, trying things out. Mm -hmm. um, and if we just found the passion somewhere, it would be a driving force into wanting to show up and and be ready to work or ready to do whatever and, and have the effort and the behavior and the confidence that all goes with that and that package deal. And that can be hard, hard to do. So the fact that you, you were able to really get down to it for all four kids is really amazing. I imagine you have like no free time in your day <laughs> and your kids all have such different needs too. It's an obstacle course for you. Okay. Art set for you. All right. Get the, like, do you do a lot of like running around in circles? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I would think so. But that is the, I mean, you were giving a one-on-one -on -one differentiated specific strengths-based education to your children. And I think that's absolutely amazing. And I remember when we talked how that just blew me away. Um, and the, especially in the way that it's like, well, they're, they do have these struggles, but look at all mm -hmm. these amazing things they do and all these amazing ways their brain ticks. 
especially your, your little guy who takes things apart. And mine is a take things apart too. I remember that when, make sure my door is shut. When, when he was little, he used to like cars and trucks, little vehicles, except he never wanted to race them. He never wanted to crash them. He would get on the floor on his hands and knees and watch the wheels turn because he was trying to, was noticing that when you push it this you know forward the wheels move this way when you pull it mm -hmm. back it was it was really watching a three-year-old or an, even a two-year-old on the ground slowly analyzing the wheels of his vehicle was like hmm, maybe we have an engineer on our hands you know mm -hmm. um that's such a cool thing now tell me about we talked a lot about collaboration with kids um and i had written this down under parenting philosophy and kind of fighting and, and fighting against your kids versus the collaboration piece. Tell me and tell us what you learned about that and, and how it benefits your family. Hey guys, this has been an amazing episode, but I just want to take a minute to tell you about the launch of my bonus episodes, which I think you probably heard about recently. In these bonus episodes, one per week, I'm talking about me. I'm talking about our lives. I'm talking about my kids Honestly, sharing it with you has been therapeutic for me, but also, you know, I don't want to get too lost in my own story and lost in my own head. I think you know what that's like when, you know, you're raising these out-of-the-box kids and you kind of get lost in your own head. Sharing my struggles and my journey in this parenting mission I'm on, well, it's been really nice and it's been good for me. And I've heard from some of you that it's been good for you too. So I wanted to offer a once-a-week bonus episode that's just me. It's um, a reflection of things that have happened. It's an update on things that are going on. And I would love for you to take a listen to those bonus episodes. So now, instead of four episodes a month, you're going to get eight. You'll get four with a mama guest, and you'll get four with just me. To access those bonus episodes, you're going to need to go to patreon.com slash on the hard days. And there you can find those bonus episodes along with uh, Zoom calls and a couple other things that um, are optional for you, of course, but I would love it if you would consider supporting my mission of bringing this community together and supporting me that way. So if you're interested, head over to patreon.com slash on the hard days to check out my bonus episodes. And if there's anything else that I can do to support you further, don't hesitate to reach out and let me know. Now back to the episode. It, it was kind of always something that we did just from a human development standpoint. If we can address the cause of the behaviors, then we can better address the behavior, but more importantly, the cause of it and ultimately change the whole flow. But the thought of that was strengthened for me when I read um, Dr. Ross Green's The Explosive Child. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And the it, it still wasn't really our home and how my kids responded, but the reminder to ask them what's going on behind behaviors and not just stop when they give whatever answer, but go deeper okay, you did poorly on your math test because you didn't study. Okay, so we need to study is typically where we go. But you did poorly on your math test because you didn't study. Well, why didn't you study? 
Okay, because your friend was having a difficult time because their pet died. Okay, how can I support you in supporting your friend so that you can study and, and clear your mind to be able to, to do your academics? Wow. Um, so that was, that is part of the, he calls it digging mm. in the explosive child and how to get to the bottom, the really root cause of what their struggle is, is wow. usually not this no. up here that they say that it is. No. Especially with highly sensitive kids, um, mm-hmm. you know, you're diving 10 issues deep sometimes to get to that root. Mm-hmm. And, and how does that factor in with collaborating with them? I mean, I guess when you're trying to solve their problems. Yeah, there's, there's that part, you get to the root and then again, you don't stop there. You meet with your child and you say, okay, we need to solve the studying for your test piece. So what can we do, we do to help you accomplish that? Not what kind of punishment as a parent can I pass down upon you as the child who has failed, but how can we work together to meet this goal and you workshop solutions with your child and at no point do you say well that's not a good idea it's not going to work for you your the response is that's an interesting thought I'd be willing to try it but could we add this piece too and so you have part of a solution from parent part of a solution from child and you put them together and you can often end up at, at something that's more than, oh, you're grounded because you failed your test. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. I love that. We, I read this book uh, when my son, who's now almost eight, was four, three or four. And I did try it when he was four. I noticed you have to be very specific about the issues. It, you know, you, if you choose too big of a, a topic to solve, it's not going to work. It's like one very specific thing at a time, mm-hmm. which, you know, but I did find, and, and the first few times, I mean, taking a little side path here, but <laughs> with this book, the first few times I tried this with my son, I would say, okay, well, when we got to the part where he needed to share his ideas, of course, his first gut reaction is I don't have any, like none. I don't know. I can't, I, I don't know. Yeah. You know, so I would have to kind of give a few of mine does that make sense to you? Do you think that you would want to try that? And then he'd be like, no, like that's not going to work. All right. Well, hmm, I wonder, and, you know, do a lot of like wait time. And, Mm -hmm. um, and meanwhile, their wheels are turning. Uh, And of course that can't be done in the moment of meltdown. That's a, a later conversation. Yes, exactly. And we typically start the conversation by saying something to the effect of, Hey, I've noticed in the last week, you've been really struggling when these kinds of things happen. What do you think's going on with that? Why are you struggling so much right now? And it doesn't work all the time with very young children. I don't know how well it would work with my five-year-old. I haven't actually attempted it with her. But with my older three, it works like gangbusters now. Um, <laughs> and, and we also do a lot of reflexive listening, uh, which is something that, again, is rooted in 
basic human development, but it's something that we kind of take for granted. And it's something that uh, my husband and I worked on when we were in premarital counseling. And I just kind of, I went, oh, well, this could work for kids too, right? (laughs) And I, I adopted it. And I facilitate conversations between the kids using this uh, technique where I designate arbitrarily somebody to start the conversation and their job is to say, hey, when, or I, I felt this way when this occurred. Mm. And the receiving person, person B is supposed to respond. I hear you saying you felt frustrated when I, taking the responsibility, took your toy away from you. And then we go back to person A and person A suggests um, a solution that they feel good about. I would like for you to ask before you take something from me. Person B, yeah, that sounds like a good idea. Mm -hmm. That's obviously a very simplistic example. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot more to it. Mm -hmm. And often it takes 30 minutes or 45 minutes or two hours. Sometimes we've had to take breaks in the middle of the conversation because it's just going on and on and on Yeah, because we do have big feelings, Yeah, (laughs) but it helps the both parties be able to take a step back and say, I identify my feelings. I identify the cause of them. I accept your feelings and your right to feel that way. And then they work together for a solution. And I'm just a moderator in the conversation. Wow. That's a lot of talking that must happen in your home. There is. <laughs> yes. But, but it's, you know, the child is feeling respected, heard, valued, and, and everybody wants that, adults and kids alike. Now you wrote a book, which we mentioned in the beginning, which is super cool. And I'm super jealous because I've always wanted to write a book. Tell me about your book. You know, what are the big takeaways that you would want a reader to come away with? And then of course, tell us where we can find your book as well. Okay. So it's Growing Exceptional Seedlings, uh, Companionship for Parents of Neurodivergent Kids. And I wrote it because of that disconnect that I felt from all the books I was reading. I either felt they were too clinical and general, they weren't deeply personal to the author. They were kind of separated and on the outside. And I really always felt like I needed, I wanted something intimate. So I think I accomplished that. I've gotten some really great reviews. The chapters are short and there are different section headings as well. And at the end of each chapter, I added a blank page for parents to take notes. I love that. Um, So, and I tried to address, you know, different kinds of questions and concerns that I had or significant experiences that we've had in parenting our neurodivergent children. And then, and just some real raw feelings that I had. I have a a section entitled diagnostic grief Mm. because it's something that we don't talk about that, you know, we envision this 
perfect, healthy, wonderful child that we bring into the world. And then something doesn't fit the mold of normal. And we have grief about it. And I think that needs to be okay. We need as mothers to be able to feel that letdown and the sadness, but then feel it and move on. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then feel it again when we have a struggle with our kid that should have been perfect. Mm -hmm. And then go to work. Mm -hmm. And that, that cycle that kind of happens for us. And I have, because we have autism, which is challenging, but it's also beautiful. And the way that both my husband and my son's brains work is fascinating and intriguing. And they are just inspiring people. Um, And then we also have food allergies that we have to contend with. And so there was a lot of grief with that diagnosis too. And feeling it and then, okay, now it's time to get to work on it. But you know what? I'm going to the grocery store and I'm going to cry in the middle of the aisle because that granola isn't safe for my kid, but I know he'd love it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so my biggest goal with this book though, was that companionship part that you're not alone. There are other people doing this journey with you. And I'm one of them Mm -hmm. and I'm here for you, even if it's just on the pages Mm -hmm. with my blog, I almost always end my blog post saying, you know, if, if this hits you hard, reach out, Mm -hmm. I'm here. And that's just something that I didn't have until the last five years when I have now my tribe, my village, uh, my two best friends who also have neurodivergent children, but that's only been a thing for a little over five years. Did you meet them through this experience of writing the book or your blog or? No, No. (laughs) Um, I met both of them because of breastfeeding. Oh, and they, I started writing my book about two years ago but I had met them and we had become a village Mm -hmm. um I call them my sisters Mm -hmm. and I was pregnant with my last when I met the one um I had met the other earlier than that just kind of in passing and being involved in these nursing mom groups Mm -hmm. um but we hadn't kindled anything significant until I was pregnant with my last and she was pregnant with her third and they are 10 days apart. (laughs) Oh my gosh. That's awesome. It's so, it feels so good to find your people. Yeah. I, I can totally, um, you know, relate. I'm going the podcast route, but I had blogs for many years and Mm -hmm. you really do feel like you're alone, like really alone. There is nobody else who has a child like mine. I didn't know the words neurodivergent. I did not know um, what twice exceptionality was. I didn't, gifted was a stereotypical word I I thought meant straight Mm -hmm. A kid, you know, all kinds of things I didn't know. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when you first 
I love that this conversation is strengths-based because when, at least in my case, I saw the negative before the positive. We had behavior big time struggles when he was a, a baby and then a toddler and then a preschooler. And so it's like, oh my gosh, what is wrong here? We're not seeing yeah. the gifts. The gifts came later. And then it's like, wow, you're four and you just memorized almost the entire world map. Like, that's kind of cool. I didn't, that's weird. I didn't memorize the whole map when I was four. Wow, what else can you do? Right. And then you start, wow, you just built this Lego set for like 11 year olds and you're five, you know, mm -hmm. and it's, it's, I have to admit how good that felt for me as the mother. Yes. You know, the gifts come and it's great for the kids, but it's really good for us. It, I don't know how you felt. It really helped me in my mental health. Yes, absolutely. And we definitely had the negatives before we saw the positives. Um, Will was we called him a lover, not a fighter when he was a baby and toddler, because when somebody took a toy from him, he would just kind of droop and cry. And he didn't have discernible language until he was about four, but then he read at the exact same time that he decided to speak. Isn't that crazy? That's crazy. And it was like, oh, well, <laughs> okay, we're doing this now. And epic hours long meltdowns Same. multiple times a day. Ugh. And I just, I'm like, what is wrong? That makes me feel better. That mm -hmm. he, right. And yeah. And none of my other friends had the same experience with their toddlers or their preschoolers. And I was just, I was having these. And then I, we were a part of a community Bible study for a while. And I would drop him off in his class. And usually that was okay because it was this whole car ride to prepare for the drop off and all of that. But then I would go pick him up from class mm. and he would scream. And I just, I felt so lost mm -hmm. and hurt that my two-year-old was crying when I came to pick him up from class. I mean, he would, he was sitting on the floor happily playing and he'd turn around when I called his name and he'd mm -hmm. see me and then he would melt into tears. Mm -hmm. And it took me far too long to realize that it wasn't me that was the problem. He wanted me, but he knew that my arrival meant it was time to stop what he was doing and leave. And he wasn't finished with whatever story he had going on in his head. And because he couldn't communicate that, I was just left feeling, okay, well, cool. My toddler, whom I poured my life into, hates me. <laughs> All right. Cool. Uh, I still have to get you to the car and I'm eight months pregnant. So oh. let's go. Oh my God. Um, so yeah, we definitely had the negative. And then, and with my food allergy son, he just cried as a baby because he was so uncomfortable from the foods I was eating. And 
we tried, you know, okay, well, this is a really common issue. So we'll eliminate that food. Okay. Well, that didn't work totally. So we're going to keep that one eliminated and we're going to try this one too. And a lot of trial and error. And for the first year of his life, we slept in 45 minute increments for a total of four hours a night. It was so dark before there was light. Mm -hmm. And then you know, when, when Mac was free of the burden on his intestines and his body, trying to fight against these foods that didn't agree with him, then we just, we saw light Mm -hmm. in him. And with Will, as soon as we were, you know, when we were able to help him with transitions and, have more conversations with him when he could communicate better with us beyond the sign language. We relied heavily on sign language when he was Mm pre-verbal. And when we were able to have conversations with him, we, we started seeing the beauty that, that that he has and our girls. I don't think our girls are twice exceptional. I think they're just gifted which is plenty mm-hmm. that's fine mm-hmm. that that um, and that carries its own set of challenges I mean that's yes. not just it's not sunshine and roses no 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 um because they definitely have minds of their own and Rory our oldest was speaking in paragraphs and holding adult conversations when she was one and a half and you know I didn't know what to do with that I didn't know what to do with her when she picked up books and read them without rote memory at age three. I just kind of went, oh, well, here's another one. (laughs) Um, We spent a lot of time at the library. Mm -hmm. And with Kay, the littlest, you know, she, she said four, three words in succession at eight months. And she's she's five. She was not quite as precocious a reader as, as Rory. Um, she's reading now, uh, but her math skills are impressive. We're beginning multiplication. Yep. So just for fun. And she keeps going, I want to do more. Uh, so uh, we're not real sure where her passion Mm -hmm. is yet as she's still, you know, five is still pretty young. She's a new five Mm -hmm. and she's still very much pink and purple and rainbows and unicorns and horses and, and her trumpet. Mm -hmm. Um, She pulled it out. We had the Kentucky Derby on the other day and the band was playing the fanfare and she went, there's a trumpet. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, you can go get yours and play along. And the look on her face, she just, she was shocked that she was allowed to go get her instrument and play for fun. Mm -hmm. And she did. And then she played along with the television. Mm -hmm. So I I don't, I don't know what that's going to end up looking like with her. Who knows? But it's cool. It's fun to watch. It is so fun to watch. And I have to, we've touched upon this, but I, I can't say it enough. Once I found my son's gifts, mm-hmm. it was a turning point for me. I saw him in a new way yeah. because I was experiencing such 
depression over mm-hmm. all the things that looked so wrong that I mean, hours long meltdown. I mean, it was really bad yeah. and I felt helpless mm-hmm. and all of a sudden he's got this really cool thing and it's like, wow, it just feels different to you. So to be able to experience yeah. that, how is your mindset now? I mean, motherhood is never easy, no matter what, but how do you, how are you on a day-to-day basis having discovered all of these amazing things and being able to use these strengths in, in their education and their growth? Um, most of the time, pretty good. Yeah. Um, you know, there are, of course, we're approaching the college conversation, especially with our oldest. And currently she very much wants to be a nurse. So we are providing her with the materials to really dive into that and see, you know, when you get into the nitty gritty of this, is this really where your passion is? So that, you know, thinking about how are they going to succeed on their own? You know, I, I don't worry about Rory. She's extremely mature. She's brilliant. And she is extremely secure in herself. She kind of was born that way. She knew who she was the minute she was born and you were only allowed to touch her when she was okay with it. And, you know, she was a trip. I'm more concerned about it with Will and, you know, he, because of autism and anxiety and the difficulties that we have now. And I know he's only 11. I know we have time, but helping him have the tools to succeed in a world that really doesn't understand him. Mm -hmm. Um, That's hard. It is. And it's heartbreaking when I think about it. And then I look at my husband who's very successful in this world that doesn't understand him. He's an engineer. He's a, well, computer engineer, slightly different. And he's a wonderful husband and father, but he's still, you know, he struggles with some things that allistic people don't. And looking at some of the things he struggles with, and I want to make sure that our son has the tools to cope better, uh, as my husband wasn't, didn't have the opportunity to learn that as a kid, he's learning it now. And it's harder when you're an adult to learn these new things. So when I pause to think about their future and what the future might look like, and will they be happy? Will they have spouses if they want spouses? Will their spouses be willing to take a step back and be patient with them and work with them on these things that are probably going to be lifelong struggles? Or are they even ever going to find that person or people that really they can mesh with in a meaningful way. Yeah. Um, Mac, I mostly worry about him inadvertently disassembling his house <laughs> um, <laughs> or blowing it up because of mm-hmm. some chemistry concoction he's put together. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm trying not to think about 
Kay's future too much at this point. She's only five. Mm -hmm. She's the last baby Mm -hmm. trying to just let her be little and cute Mm -hmm. a little bit longer. Mm -hmm. (laughs) All of them really. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's when I really start to kind of spiral, I suppose, when I really start thinking about what their future is going to hold and, and are they going to be happy Mm -hmm. and successful in a way that's meaningful to them? Mm -hmm. Yes. I was just thinking in my head as you were talking about the happy piece, because when it comes down to it, that is what we want for our children, successful in whatever way it looks like to them, which comes with inner peace and contentment with yourself and with all kids. But when you're raising out of the box kids, neurodiverse kids, and it's like, well, your path is a little more jagged. It, you know, it's got some curves and that's stressful. And that is hard to think about. And I I have to admit that I think about it too. When he's struggling and it's like, wow, you're struggling so much in your seven, what's it going to look like at 10? What's it going to look like at 15 at 20? Yeah. And that's a lot. (laughs) It's real heavy. And at the risk of being a little too heavy, you know, I, the statistics for autistic adults in, in the workforce, in interpersonal relationships. And, and then unfortunately too, with, with suicide and self-harm and those get the mom heart big time, big time. Yeah. And I just, you know, want to keep him safe in my house forever where I know that he'll be responded to in a loving and patient, most of the time patient, not, not always, but you're not perfect. Nobody is. No. (laughs) (laughs) And you know what, you just made a really important point because that's something that I think about sometimes too. And it's, you know, it, it does me no good to, to sit in that spot So what does feel good is supporting my child. And that means not only with the things he's really great at, he loves science and he's really good at math and um, a really strong reader as well. And, and, but science is his thing. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's really awesome. And I love that, but can I also enjoy them in the hard moments, in the, in the massive meltdowns, in the perfectionist tendencies that we struggle with, in the anxiety, in the anger, in the, all the things, you know, I need, like you, I think you're an absolute rock star of a mom. The fact that you, and I know, again, no one's perfect, but you are showing up with patience, with excess love. It's like, here, let me pour onto you what you need to help you thrive on a day-to-day basis. I mean, what, what is better than that? Nothing is better than that. And that is what I strive to do. And I give you so much credit. And just, I think you're, you're such a role model for the way you use the kids' strengths to, to raise them up. It's just really cool to see. I'm super uh, blown away. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You. You're really, really cool. And I, I, I want to, to do this more. I want to do this all the time. There's no reason. And my, my kid goes to school and I teach. So unfortunately, and that, that's a whole other issue, but I would love to yeah. have more time with them. But when I'm here, can I make the best of it? Can I mm-hmm. look past the struggles? They're still there, but yeah. how can I help them? Not I'm angry because he's, he's lashing out and losing my patience. And, and those things will happen once in a while, but the majority of the time, if I really 
want to guide them to success, I need to, I need to hold his hand through it. Yeah, absolutely. And that is one of the cornerstones with the collaborative parenting is, and, and even deeper than that is that while they are in my safe care, I get to hold their hand and be their safety net and allow them to fail where I can catch them and lift them back up because when they get out into the cruel world and they're not constantly under my wing, I'm, I'm not going to be able to do that. And I won't be around forever either. So if I can give them the love and give them the tools that they need to succeed out there by letting them fail and feel how it, how it should be, then maybe I've done my job. Yeah. I wouldn't say maybe I'd say definitely. (laughs) And, and really that's a safe space, right? It's a safe space for your Mm -hmm. child to, to try to fail the catching them. I mean, the safety net, what a visual, um, that it's really, you're, you're, you're pretty awesome. Like (laughs) I'm really struck by your words and, and, just the way that you're showing up. It's really inspiring. It's, it's something that I, I want to do. And, um, I do to, to a point, but there's so much more there and I'm, I'm excited to use you as an example for what <laughs> I could do. Yeah. Really, really inspired yeah. by that. Um, no. Yeah. Okay. So tell us where to find you, your, your website, the name of your book again, where can we get it and how to reach out if you have a social media or However, you yeah. guys reach. Um, so my blog website is com. So pretty simple. Mm-hmm. Um, my book, Growing Exceptional Seedlings, Companionship for Neurodivergent Parents of Neurodivergent Kids, is available at pretty much any online retailer. It's not in any brick and mortar uh, stores, but it is available everywhere online. If you Google search the title and my name, Kendra Rogers, then it'll come up wherever you prefer to purchase. Um, it's available in hardback, softback, and ebook. So Kindle compatible, what's the Barnes and Noble nook? Yeah. Mm -hmm. That one, all of that. And I am on social media as Kendra Rogers. I don't, Oh, my profile picture right now is my guitar playing son with his guitar and colorful hair. So cool. Um, So, and so that's a totally fine place to reach me on Instagram, Kendra Rogers author. And through my blog, um, you know, messaging on through that platform or email, uh, you can do, there's a contact me spot. Do you have, do you have, um, a next goal in mind, a second book? I do. I am actually currently writing, I think five books. Oh my Um, gosh. One is about our food allergy journey and what that has looked like for us. That has been one roller coaster after another. And then eventually when I have more teen experience, I'll do 
you know, the teenage side of this whole thing, growing exceptional seedlings is the young. And then whatever, I don't, I haven't decided what to title that. Uh, my artistic daughter and I are working on a kid's book, Growing Exceptional Me. Oh my gosh. And I am writing also to kind of the general public about how they can be better informed and better interact with those who don't fit in the box. And whatever way that may be, invisible disabilities and you know, wheelchair bound and, and very obvious differences in addition to the things that we don't see. Two books um, that are kind of opposites of one another. They're kind of dear new parent books. Mm -hmm. And dear new parent, that's totally normal. Um, yeah, your two-year-old is gonna bite. I, that's just a thing. Mm -hmm. um, and dear new parent, that's not so normal. And in a, um, yeah, your two-year-old biting is totally normal. Your two-year-old writing a dissertation, not so much. <laughs> so, wow, sides kind of of that coin. Wow, how on earth do you have time for all this? Oh my gosh! Oh my god! Do you get up really early and stay up really late? I get up pretty early, um, and I try and fail a lot of the time to exercise. Eh, same. Um, <laughs> and you know I I make coffee and organize my brain become a human mm -hmm. and sometimes I sit down and write a blog earlier in the morning I tutor I virtually tutor as first grader uh four days a week so during that time my kids have kind of assignments that they're supposed to be doing independently and then three days a week we go to one of my sister friends and I help homeschool her three children who are also neurodivergent. That's right. I forgot about that piece. <laughs> yeah. So there are then seven kids between five and 13, all with differing abilities and needs and everything. And then one day a week, we just started up um, working at a horse farm, taking oh. care of horses. So that's, therapy yeah. really and then you know evenings weekends I ask my husband to hang out with the kids and he gets to do his thing with them and I he often gives me the time and the space to pursue my myself outside mm -hmm. of all of the mom and teacher hats mm -hmm. wow I, that's so cool so cool first of all I love the title um, and how you're using that within all of your, the theme of all of your, your books and your site. Um, but you just have a really cool life and a really cool family. Um, and, and that's, you know, that's you, that is obviously not just you, but that is you taking the reins on helping your children grow and be their best selves, despite the challenges that they face being neurodivergent kids. So Kendra, yeah. this is so cool. And it's been an awesome conversation um, when you write all those other books, come back. We'll do this again. I want to talk about the teenage years when that comes. Oh my gosh. So, I mean, I'm dreading it myself. So, oh, when so that much. happens, yes. Oh, 
Oh my gosh. So yeah, come back on when, when you're, when that happens. Um, Absolutely. Thank you for this amazing conversation and thanks Mm -hmm. for joining me today. Thank you for having me. Um, My, my only teenager so far is a wonderful teenager so far. And so I'll take it. Um, (laughs) And I just want to end with um, instead of looking at our kids differences and, and different processing systems, I, we in this house call them their superpowers Mm. and we are teaching them how to use their powers for good instead of evil. Gosh, so good. You know, there's (laughs) another book. There's your sixth book right there. There there it is. That is it. It's this, the superpowers. It's identifying them. And, yep. and how, you know, you just gave the tagline right there too, with the <laughs> good versus evil. That is amazing. You are a superhero yourself. You are a rock star. Thank you so much, Kendra. This has been amazing. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening today. If you would like to talk with me personally, where we can chat and just get to know each other like old friends, I would love to do a discovery call with you. Go to my website on theharddays.com and click on schedule a call. And if you're not already subscribed to this podcast, please do so so that you get the latest when they roll out. Not to mention, please leave a review if you feel like this episode spoke to you. That way, the podcast will be shown to more mothers. And finally, you can find me on Instagram at on the hard days with dots in between each word or in my free Facebook community, On the Hard Days podcast and community. If you are feeling isolated in your parenting journey, I encourage you to reach out through any of these means so that I can connect you with your people and support you in whatever way you need.